0: Howdy there, trying to change up our intro. Howdy, partners. So we're on episode 47, and today we're going to be diving into Genesis 16 through 18. Hi, friends,
1: and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue
0: a deeper understanding of the Bible. So coming off last week's episode, we finished um, with Genesis 15 talking about the covenant and we realized that we have covered a lot of stuff so far. I mean, especially that last episode, there was a lot of stuff in there. So we're hoping that you kind of digested it throughout the week, maybe studied it a little bit more, got into your own Bibles, maybe listened to some sermons on it and um, hope that you feel like you're at a good place with all that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, so this morning I was actually thinking through all this and I was feeling a little overwhelmed myself. I was like, wow, Adam and Eve, that seems like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Like the beginning of January seems like a very long time ago. And we have covered so much and we're only on chapter 16. And I feel like it's been a lot to digest and just a lot to take in. And um, honestly, I was feeling a little bit discouraged just thinking about how much more we still have to go in Genesis. And then that's only one book of the Bible. And I was thinking, okay, Casey, like, I need some encouragement to press on throughout the rest of this book. And I know that some of you might need that too. So Erin, do you have anything to encourage us to keep pressing on? So, oh man,
0: let me think about this.
1: Encourage me because <laughs>
0: This is some tough stuff. There is, there is a lot. So I think there's no way, right. And we've said this on here before, there's no way for us to dive deep into every single thing we read at the pace that we're reading it. So a couple different encouragements. One thing I would be is just like really ask the Holy Spirit to meet with you as you're reading, as you're listening, and then maybe pick one or two things that he kind of highlights to you and draws you in or makes aware to you or reveals about God to you. And then focus on that throughout the week. So like last week when we were talking about um, the covenant, maybe, you know, is really highlighting like, what does that covenant mean for me now? Yeah. So instead of trying to study each and every single thing we talk about, pick like ask the the spirit to pick one thing to kind of highlight to you Mm -hmm. and then really meditate on that, pray on that, maybe study more scripture on that. Um, That way you're not getting so overwhelmed by all of it. And the great thing is that this is a podcast, so it is forever recorded and you can go back at any time and listen to any episodes and say, okay, now, you know, Holy Spirit, Reveal something new to me about this Mm -hmm. and then go and study that. And that way it's not hopefully as overwhelming because we realize as we're preparing this and as we're teaching through it, there is a lot Mm -hmm. and it can be overwhelming. And so just trying not to take every single thing we say and then go and study all of those things, but maybe just picking one might be helpful. Yeah, that's good. That's good because I think sometimes we can
1: get caught up in the little details too. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to understand like we've talked about before, trying to fully grasp every single thing we read. And what did this mean? And, and what did this mean? And wait, is that covenant unconditional or conditional and Mm -hmm. all of these things? And there's just so much. And like we've talked about just kind of resting in some of that mystery. Mm -hmm. And I heard this week on another podcast, they were talking about sometimes the historical books are more, you have to sit with it more like a crock pot than an Mm -hmm, instant pot, right? mm -hmm. Like you have to, sometimes it doesn't seem super applicable right off the bat to our lives. And that's, okay, but we just need to sit in it and kind of rest in what it's telling us about God and who who he is. And, um, like you said, ask for the spirit
0: to, to reveal to us what we're supposed to learn from that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's good. Yeah. I think one more thing that might be helpful is if you are so deep in studying the old Testament, like Genesis or like a historical book that we're talking about, it might also be helpful to then maybe Once a week or maybe every day when you get into your word, like finish with reading a Psalms or something else that you can, you know, kind of use that. I don't want to say is more emotional but maybe that you can draw a direct application from Mm -hmm. or that you can say okay this is the verse I'm going to use to worship the Lord today or something Mm -hmm. like that if you're feeling like okay I'm getting my learning about who God is and I'm able to praise him for those attributes and I'm learning that in Genesis but then you also want something that's maybe a little lighter I don't know if lighter is the right word but something um, because we've asked we've thought about this before is a lot of people study intellectually Mm -hmm. and a lot of people study more emotionally and so if you're one of those people that really craves that kind of emotional type study, then Reading a Psalms or something might help, with something right? Because like that. you might
1: not get that from the historical narrative. Might not get the warm and fuzzies, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, and I think maybe that's kind of the disconnect that I've been feeling a little bit because it's like so much of this is yeah. so heavy, and I'm a lighthearted, happy person most of the time, and so the fact that I'm not getting much of that in Genesis, yeah. I think that's kind of tough. So that's that's great. That's wonderful advice. Thank you.
0: Good. I, I hope it. I hope that helps for yes. everybody listening too. Yes. So as we um, are kind of transitioning into chapter 16 here. We are reminding ourselves that we're coming off of the covenant, and um, it's really going to be interesting to note, like we said last, I think it was last week, how, you know, these chapters are put in, and these verse markings are put in, not when Moses was telling this, but we put those in after as we were um, kind of compiling scripture together. Not we, as if it was me, but <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you were part of a compiling scripture. You're no, old. No, <laughs> that would have been too stressful for me. Um, But we have to remember. So we're coming off this covenant and m- I almost said Moses. Moses is telling us, but Abram is now. Oh, I can call him Abraham now.
1: No, not I can't. Not, not yet. yet. Okay,
0: shoot. Um, <laughs> Abram is in this place where he is, you know, his belief is in the Lord. It says he believed believed in the Lord, and so we're reminding ourselves, like, he believes in this covenant, he believes in the Lord, and then we enter into chapter 16, and we're like, well, wait, shoot, what just happened? Because he just made this covenant, he believes the Lord, and then all of a sudden, he puts his eyes back on the circumstance, and, um, and we'll see what happens. So how do we start?
1: Yeah, so it had actually been 10 years since God first made these promises to, to Abram. And um, just to kind of review the promises, he promised him land, he promised him descendants, and he promised um, to make him a great nation. And so we see that Abram had been in Canaan now for 10 years, and um, there was still no children to show for it. Sarai still had not conceived. Um, she was barren. And so Sarai decides she, had, she knew this promise. Promise that God had made to Abram and she just saw nothing happening. And so she decided to take it into her own hands and she told Abram, Hey, go with, be with my servant Hagar and, um, she'll conceive. And this is how we'll get this baby that the Lord has promised. And apparently this was somewhat customary in this day, um, that when a baby was born, it, he or she would be the um, chief wives, not the slave wives. So that sounds like a crazy custom. And we have to remember as we're reading through this, that a lot of this is descriptive, not prescriptive. So just because Abram was sleeping with other women or, you know, sleeping with his servants or whatever, if he had multiple wives, like that is not the Bible telling us that that's how we're supposed to live. If we go back to Genesis, we know that a marriage is between one man and one woman. And, um, so that is not Moses saying, Hey, this is how you need to live your life. He was just describing what was going on at the time. And so I think that can be a little confusing sometimes because we just, we, we read and we say, Oh, that's just how it was back then. And so we play it off. Like it wasn't
0: sinful, but Mm -hmm. it actually
1: was not a good thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And it's important to know, like almost anytime we see that, that multiple wives or anything like that it's almost always um, filled with complication and difficulties and so um, even though it doesn't directly say this is sinful or anything like that we can we can kind of take that away because we see it time and time again in those situations where that's happening it's always has always has difficulties and I think this is something else I heard on the same podcast that Casey's referencing is that just because we don't directly see God in that moment speaking to that sin, that doesn't mean that God isn't, is condoning that sin. We see through the difficulties that come and the complications that come, then we are able to see, oh yeah, that probably was not good. Yeah.
1: There are consequences. Yeah. For sure.
0: And I think, um, we kind of mentioned this in a previous episode, but, um, in that verse, in the second verse of chapter 16, I'm going to read it. It's Sarah speaking to Abraham, which says, behold now the lord has prevented me from bearing children and so this is what um piper called the isaac isaac factor I isaac think? factor yeah. yeah and we kind of referenced this before but just a reminder i really like this fact so i'm just going to bring it up again that he was he's drawing the point that you know this was physically impossible the lord was creating a situation where it wasn't humanly possible for them to to have children so that it could be very obvious that it was God who was doing the work in their lives. Mm -hmm. I just love that.
1: Yes, I do too. Um, Reminds us of his omnipotence. Yes. Which I love. Yes. Um, So yeah, you know, and we see that Sarai is leading them into this sin. And so I can't help but think back to the garden when Mm -hmm. it was Eve's fault. And I'm like, oh man, like (laughs) that, that just that tells us that as women, like we need to be careful. Yeah, I mean, we know that biblically, we believe that, that men are to be the leaders and the head of the household. But at the same time, sometimes I think we have a little more power, so to mm. speak. I don't know what other word to use than we realize. Mm. And so I think we need to be careful where we lead our men, yeah. like where, you know, because they listen to us and mm-hmm. it does matter what we say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that we see twice now that women have, have caused a big problem
0: (laughs) and that makes me sad, but I think we can
1: learn a lot from that.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because when we look back on this story, we think, oh, well, they were just being impatient. Like, why why weren't they just waiting for for God to do what he said he would do? But, I mean, 10 years is a long time. It's
1: a long time. I'm
0: like after 10 hours. (laughs) I'm like, come on, God. You said you were – you know what I mean? Yes, So 10 days would have been long, 10 weeks, 10 months. But 10 years is a long time. It's a long time. So it's not fair for us to look at them and be like, oh, well, they were just being impatient. Like, 10 years is a long time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think about my own life. Like, how often do I try to, like – Fix, quote unquote, what I think is a problem, which actually is not a problem at all. It's just God's timing and my yeah. impatient. Mm-hmm. And I can think of so many examples where I'm like, "Well, no, I'm just gonna try to fix this because." Mm-hmm. And I chalk it up to like, "Oh, maybe God wants me to just fix it myself instead of just waiting." Maybe that's part of His plan. Right. Like, right. And yeah. like, yeah. no, let's be it. honest here. You're just being impatient, Aaron <laughs>
1: Goodness, yeah, I get it. I think we all do that, and it's hard. Yeah. So in verse four, it says that Hagar conceived, and when she saw that she had, she looked at Sarah with contempt. So, mm-hmm. which I mean, I don't blame her. Like, I'd be upset too. I think. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah.
0: Especially because I mean, we don't know exactly like how quickly this time period happened. Right. But if she had been waiting for her whole like, however old she was now, sixty something years mm-hmm. old, right? And then all of a sudden, like first time, yeah, Hagar gets pregnant or whatever. Yeah, that would yeah. be pretty frustrating.
1: Yeah. So um, Sarah then blames Abr- Abram, which is funny. It's like. I mean, it's just so typical. I think we're seeing a lot of humanity here, right? Right. As I'm reading this story, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that seems pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds about right. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's the one that told him to go do this and he did. And then she gets mad. Like, oh my goodness. It's like
0: the whole like thing, but it was just Valentine's Day. So it's like, you don't have to get me anything for Valentine's Day. And then Valentine's Day comes and they don't get you anything. You're like, you didn't get me anything? Yes. It's exactly (laughs) like that. I'm like, man, women haven't changed much, have they? (laughs) Oh, man. But that was not a Taylor. actually did give me flowers (laughs) and my favorite sparkling water so
1: (laughs) did he get you hippies
0: no you probably have a pantry stocked full of actually I'm trying to convince him to go to Costco today so we can get some oh there you go there you go so um
1: then she blames Abram like we just said and M, um, he tells her, Okay, okay, fine, do whatever you want with Hagar. Like that's kind of him, I feel like saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, do whatever you
0: want. And being cowardly, right? And yes. Like, yes. oh, I don't want to deal with this mm-hmm. sin that I caused. So yeah. you just kinda you handle just it take care you want. of it. Which again yeah. goes back to the garden, the blame shifting, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. It's not
1: my fault. So um, yeah, once again, that blame game, like you just said, mm-hmm. you know, um, which we still have trouble with today. So Sarah deals harshly,
0: whatever that means mm-hmm. with Hagar and Hagar our um, fleas yeah and we I mean we don't know exactly what deals harshly means but we can obviously assume that it must have been pretty bad if Hagar was willing to leave I mean we know that Abraham had lots of things Mm -hmm. lots of cattle lots of people lots of he was very stable if you Mm want to say that Um, and she she was willing to risk leaving that to go into the wilderness and Casey made a good point as we were talking about this before this is not wilderness like we think of wilderness where it's like oh I'm just gonna go get a hotel for the night on my way to Dallas you know Mm -hmm. it's this is actual wilderness like there was no hotels or as we think of them there was no cars like right. she had to walk pregnant and flee and not know so it must have been pretty bad if she was if she was willing to do that mm-hmm. and we see the text says that um she was fleeing to go back to Egypt and this just made me think like when we face difficulty are we are we tempted to run back to our old ways like she's willing to go back to Egypt which we don't know much about what that situation meant we don't know you know like what it was like for her to have left that place in the first place but it just made me really stop and think like when I face difficulty what's my first reaction Mm -hmm. is it you know some people their first reaction is to just sit in wallow Mm -hmm. or in self-pity or is your reaction to fight back or is your reaction to flee and I think it's good for us to kind of just like We were talking about there's not a lot of direct application we can take from these texts necessarily, but there are questions we can kind of turn reflectively and think like, if I'm in this situation, what would I do? And that's one of my favorite things Matt Chandler says. He says, you know, read this. I think he says don't read it like a newspaper. Read it like you were in like in the story. That's not how he says it. I'm totally misquoting this. But his point is don't just read it as facts and then move on. Yeah. Like read it and think, man, she really was facing something hard. Mm -hmm. And what would I do in that situation? How would I be would I lean on God in the ways that I should, or would I flee? Kind of like like she did. So just kind of a point to, yeah. And I think
1: that's good because I've been struggling with some of this lately and I've noticed this like very distinctly in my life that when things get rocky, then I automatically go back to my own, my old ways, like of. Of fear and anxiety, Mm -hmm. things that I have worked so hard to, um, to defeat in Mm -hmm. my life. And, but, but when things get hard, when I'm not in that just really good place where I'm like really focused on the truth, then my tendency is to go back Mm -hmm. to those old ways Mm -hmm. and these things that I've tried so hard to get out of. And so that, I thought that was a really good point. Um, when you had that in our notes, because I was like, yes, I have seen this. Like it is my tendency, things get hard and I just go right back to that old sin. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that if I'm aware of that, then I can, then I can fight that better. And if I'm, if I force myself to stay in the truth and to remind myself of who God is, even through those hard times, and I surround myself with people that remind me how far I've come and remind me Casey, God's the same. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you're you're facing this tough circumstance, but God is the same God today as He was yesterday. Then, um, that helps so much yeah. to keep me
0: from going back to those old ways, yeah, so I like because that. we we are so we don't like uncomfortable. yeah, right. So we're like, let's just get through the uncomfortable as fast as we can yeah. to get back to the comfortable. Yeah. And I think personally, I've seen like so much growth happens in the uncomfortable, oh, for sure, and God is trying to teach you something in, Reveal something about his character to you in those moments and trying to grow you to be more like him. And so not that you need to enjoy the uncomfortable, but to recognize like that this is part of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Bible tells us that when you have trials and when you have troubles, not Mm -hmm. if, but when. And to, to take those times and not try to just get through it as fast as you can, but to really... Ask the Lord, like, okay, what, what are you doing mm-hmm. in this season? What what are you wanting me to to learn from this, to f- to grow in, in how? and So I think that's yeah. something we can take away from this passage.
1: Yeah, I like it. Then the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar, and there's a little bit of debate whether this might be a possible Christophany, mm-hmm. which we talked about last week as a, a theophany, is when the divine, like, shows himself. But um, some people actually think that this might be the sun um, as far as the Trinity goes. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And you can read more about that if you're if you're interested in that. Um, but then he tells her to return to Abram and Sarai and says that her offspring will be multiplied. Ooh.
0: That'd be tough. That would be so hard. That would be so hard. Because he doesn't tell her, go back, it'll be better, I promise. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't say, go back, everything will be easier. And he says, go back and submit to her. Yes. Which is... I mean, someone treats you harshly and then you're supposed to go back and submit to her. And that takes so much humility. So much. And being able to say, you know, all that I am is for God. And so whatever he has for me in this moment, like it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me and my comfort again. It's about doing what God asks me to do. And that that would be so hard. It's, you know, he's asking her to just die to self and, o- and obey. And that's not easy. No. It's not not.
1: easy. And he says to her, behold, you're pregnant. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your afflictions. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this, okay. I have one question about this, that this is not in our notes, but I, I wanted to ask you this. Why do you think it's so in both of our Bibles, it's like separate text. You see what I'm saying? How it's like yeah, more like how they do it with the poems uh-huh. or usually in the new Testament when they're quoting back to old Testament, they'll right. do it like this. Right. Is it just because somebody's speaking? Maybe, maybe, or maybe, you know,
1: I'm not very like, I don't have like a English degree or anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is some sort of like some form of poem or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Cause it is that way in mind too. Mm. I don't know. Good question. Maybe we can figure Sorry, that, that was out. a tangent. No, that's good. Um, But yeah, so he tells, He tells her all this. He tells Hagar all this about um, her son. And um, it's really interesting because Ishmael actually ends up being the father of Islam. Mm -hmm. And we see where... Even today, we have this tension between Muslims and Jews, mm-hmm. and so this all started way back in Genesis. And it's so crazy. I think this is crazy. Yeah. Um. And then so we do see that we see that Ishmael ends up being a father
0: of a of a big nation. Yeah.
1: Himself. I so. thought something
0: was really interesting in this passage where he, he's saying to her, "He will." he will be a wild donkey of a man, which that's kind of funny. But what he's saying here in this little poem or whatever we want to call this is he's saying he's not going to, be a, live as a servant, like you are. Mm-hmm. So he's telling her he, he will live in hostility. So it's not like this great thing, but he's saying like, he's not going to have to be a servant like, mm-hmm. like you are. And I thought that was so fascinating because I know like, as a parent, we're always like, I want something better for right. my kids. I want, so mm-hmm. he's giving her a little bit of hope of, yes, you're going to go back and you're going to have to submit, but he, your child is not going to have to live the same way that you lived. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so another thing that I like, and we
1: have to go back a little bit to see this, but back in verse eight, um, the angel says, where have you come from and where are you going? And, um, I thought that was interesting because once again we see that he wasn't asking this because he didn't know. Yes. Especially if this is a Christophany, Mm -hmm. um, but he wanted her to answer, and Mm -hmm. so this makes me think about the garden again and how God seeks us out and desires that dialogue and that relationship with us. I liked that a lot. I like that a lot too. And then
0: that leads us into what Hagar um, says about God. Yeah. So this, if you've listened all the way back to the beginning, we talked about this and. I don't even remember what oh is in the attributes. Yeah. 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 Um, and in this passage, we see Hagar and she, once he says this to her, she says in verse 13, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing for she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Um, and what that technically the name of God in that, um, what she's saying there is Elroyi, which means you are a God of seeing. And this is just. I think such a beautiful passage of who our God is, is that in this moment she's fleeing, she's, you know, we can assume she's being disobedient, she's trying to run away. And, and what she does is God, through this angel, through this messenger, or this Christophany, or however you want to take this, but she is being seen. And she thinks, you know, the, the she must have been thinking when she was back there, Nobody cares about me. Nobody knows who I am. There's no like, who am I? What's the point of this? I'm trying to advance, you know, have this son for them, and they are treating me harshly. And and yet, God met me here in the wilderness, and He sees me. And I think that's so comforting. And this is something that that we can. Take. And this is maybe this is the one thing that the holy spirit's going to you know highlight to you in this passage is that there it's the same god today as it yeah. is who met hagar there in the wilderness there's a god who sees you and if you feel insignificant and if you feel if you're in a season where you're like what is the point of this maybe it's in maybe you're bogged down with the mundane of you know staying at home and taking care of your kids and wiping dirty butts and doing the dishes <laughs> all day or maybe you're in a thankless job or you don't know you know you're maybe you're just in a season where you're like Nobody sees me. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. God is there and God meets you there and God does care. He is a God who sees you. And I love this and I didn't know this until I was studying more about this, but Ishmael actually means God hears. So here we're seeing God hears you and and God sees you. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just mean he sees you as far as like, oh, I see someone over there. Hi. It's saying like he. Sees you in a knowing you type right, of way. Right. So he hears you, and not only does he just hear you and leave you there, he hears you there, but then he meets you there and mm-hmm. sees you. I just love that so mm-hmm. much.
1: <laughs> yeah, and especially because I mean, this is the result of like everything that's going on right now mm-hmm. in the story is a mm-hmm. result of sinful actions. Right. Like, but even through that, like mm-hmm. even when you're stuck in your sin and your what feels like Phil, like God still sees you and he still hears you and he yeah. still loves you. And yeah. it's just such a beautiful picture.
0: So as we finish uh, chapter 16, it's so interesting because it just says, and then Hagar bore Abram a son and it doesn't say anything about her journey back or anything about, what it was like when she got back and how she was treated or anything like that just says, and then she had a son and Abram named him um, Ishmael, just like he was told. And he was 86 when it happened. And then that's the end of 16. Then we skip ahead 13
1: years. (laughs) 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 <laughs> big gap there. Yeah. Skip ahead 13 years and when Abram was 99 the Lord reminded him of his covenant to multiply
0: him greatly. So God's coming back and say, "Hey, remember I said, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how God in this this recalling of his promises, he says, "I am God Almighty." And so here's another name of God. We didn't intentionally mean to make this a names of uh, God episode, but so we already heard El Roy, which is the God who sees me. And then I'm the the God Almighty is El Shaddai. And this, um, I'm going to give a little plug for this book I've been doing with the girls, but it's The Names of God Devotion. And it's, um, I'll plug it in the show notes because I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but we just did El Shaddai the other day. And what what God's doing here in this passage is he's reminding Abraham of his omnipotence or that he is almighty, all powerful. And what he's saying is I can do the impossible thing. It seems impossible because you are 99 years old and Sarah is, Sarah is 90. So this, this seems impossible. But all the while, like we we're talking about, the more impossible something th- seems, the more God is going to get glory from that. And he's, he's reminding them that his omnipotence is over, not just creation, but over life, over existence, over Everything. His omnipotence is over all things, and that we need to be reminded of that. um And like we said in last week's episode, that quote by John Wilkin is what God's doing here. Is He's not reminding Abram of who He is? He's not saying you're going to have the power mm-hmm. to do this. You're going to be strong enough. You're going to be good enough. He's reminding him of who God is in that moment. Just like we said, we need to remind ourselves of that. And there's a um, in the book Gleanings from Genesis. There's a good quote about this of of how. Sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves before God makes that promise and fulfills that promise to show that it's really his power. And what he's, what Pink says in this book is that, in talking about in the waiting, so he says, God has more than one reason for his delays. Often it is to test the faith of his children, to develop their patience, to bring them to the end of themselves. His delays are in order that when he does act, his delivering power may be more plainly evident. That what he does may be more deeply appreciated, and that in that consequence he may be more illustriously glorified. Illustriously, I don't know. What Is that, that the that's right a word? New word? Illus- it's like illustrated illustriously. Oh, I see. Right. I was
1: like, that's a new word. Yeah.
0: But I think that's very true. I mean, we, we see this in our own selves, right? Like as soon as we, if we get something, as soon as we want it, we don't appreciate it right. as much. Right. I remember growing up, my parents always made me work for stuff. Like mm-hmm. I had to work to earn the money to buy things. I had to work to earn the money to like everything. And so it's like when you not saying that you have to work for the promises right. God has given you, right. don't take that as <laughs> what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the longer we wait for something, the more we appreciate, more we appreciate it. Appreciate and if you yeah. go back and listen to our episode, with Rocky Bush about um, community Mm and in trials, I think we called it, but um, she talked about that. She said, you know, the fact that she went through those miscarriages when she had her healthy baby, she was like, wow, Mm -hmm. like she had a deeper appreciation for it because she had waited for Mm -hmm. it that waiting is so hard sometimes. So hard. It's so
1: hard because you can't see the other side of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Can't see what's going to happen. I mean, just like when we lost Isaac, mm-hmm. I had no idea that Lydia was on the horizon, right. you know, and I tell her that all the time. You're my beautiful rainbow baby and yeah. I can't imagine life without you, but but it was hard because they asked me, my kids are old enough now where they asked me, were you sad mm-hmm. when Isaac died? And I'm like, yes, I right. was so sad and I couldn't see past what was going on at mm-hmm. that time. But But now I know like, I wouldn't have my Lydia. Yeah. And so, on the other side of things, um, things are so much more clear, but in the waiting, it's so hard. Yeah. yeah. So hard. So, we see that God tells. Abram, <laughs> like my mind went blank. I almost it's said finally Noah. To finally
0: going to change Abraham. Yes,
1: here shortly. Okay, so God tells Abram to walk before Him and to be blameless, and this took me back to when He said um, the same thing to Noah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's actually the same word. Yep. So that was cool. And we talked about in that episode that He wasn't telling him he would have to be perfect, but um, I think we talked about how John Piper was saying that this righteousness that He was talking about was was just recognizing. Your your sin and turning from that. But then I also liked, um, this was, I think it's a sprawl thing. It's on Ligonier. It says, um, which is a website. It says, <laughs> um, the sign itself availed nothing. It had to be accompanied by a walk that was quote unquote blameless, which was not perfection, but the orientation of one's whole life to promise, presence, and demands of God. In other mm. words, the sign was only effectual for salvation if accompanied by faith, the demonstration of which was seen in being blameless. So I thought that was a that's good a really and different good definition, definition than we've, I just ran across that last night and I liked it a lot yeah. Um. because you hear blameless and you think, oh, so I can't, I can't have any
0: sin, but that's not, that's not hmm. what that is. Interesting. That's, I like that definition a lot.
1: Yeah. I like it too. We'll be sure to put it in the, in the notes, but and I
0: love what happens next because he says, okay, walk before me and be blameless. And then what happens? He falls on his face. He
1: falls (laughs) on his face, which Aaron and I interpreted differently. Yes. So talk about how you interpreted it. Okay.
0: So I, at first just, I thought it was funny because to me in that moment, I think if I were to fall on my face, I think I would have been falling on my face in frustration. Like I would have been like, Lord it has been 25 years almost since you told me this was going to happen. Like fall on my face. Like, I don't know what else to do, God. Like yeah. this is taking forever. Um. But that's just me and my sinfulness that I, that I would have done that. But I think at, when I actually went back and studied it, then I, I think I took it in the way of like, Oh, this was worship. Like he was falling on his face. Like a lot of times when we read that in scripture, they fell on their face. It's usually in a response of, of worship. So I'm interested to hear what you So found. so my thought was was worship. Okay. But it was just funny
1: when I was reading it when I was reading your notes cuz we we put notes in Google Docs every week and we can kind of read what each other says and I was cracking up when I was reading this cuz I was just picturing like Aaron like <laughs> falling down <laughs> to the ground out of frustration like really god really are you serious right now <laughs> being so dramatic. So I thought that was so funny like just the different interpretations yeah. of it. You know, because my, my first thought was worship because I was thinking how a lot of times that's how, Mm -hmm. you know, we see it throughout Mm -hmm. the Bible. But I, I liked that you saw yourself in this. You saw the little piece of, like we talked (laughs) about, like that humanity because in, in honesty, yes, he was worshiping the Lord, but I mean, he had to be frustrated too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would have been like, so I just, I I liked that. I thought that was funny.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So we see um, God is reminding him of those promises that he'll be a father of multitude of nations. Um, And this time is where we finally see him, God change his name. And this is another thing that I just love so much. This is something we could easily read over. And I'm sure many times we have, but the Lord really just was highlighting this to me that he is changing his name, which in this day and age, we don't necessarily have a lot of, meaning necessarily tied to names. Sometimes we do, sometimes they're family names, sometimes mm-hmm. they're biblical names, but a lot of times it's not your identity, it's your name. But back in these times, it carried a lot more weight. And so the fact that he's changing his name, the name Abraham actually is defined as father of many mm-hmm. nations, right, our multitude of nations. And so God is saying, this hasn't happened yet, but this is who you are. Yeah. And though you're not seeing it yet. It's who you are. It's your identity. And we'll see this again as we continue to read through Genesis, but even more so throughout the whole Bible that when God, when God changes their name, it's reminding us that he is the person who gets to define our identity. Mm -hmm. We don't get to do that. And I listened to this, um, I think it was an interview with Jackie Hill Perry, and she was talking about this. She was saying we tend to create our identities based off what we like mm-hmm. or what we're attracted to, right? And she was talking about um, her struggle with lesbianism, and she was saying, "You know, like, why would I define myself off what I'm attracted to? I need to define myself based off whose I am." And that really stuck out to me is our identity is based off who's we are, not what we like. And so I've been thinking about that a lot, and and I, hopefully that. Um, rings true for somebody who needs to hear that, that our identity is not first first and foremost that we are women or mothers or daughters or sisters or working moms or stay-at-home moms or any of that. That's not our primary identity. First and foremost, we are a child of God and our identity is bigger and greater than the things that we like or the things that we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I like when he changes people's names too. I I just think that's so cool. Yeah. And
1: I think it is, like you said, such a good reminder of whose we are, mm-hmm. who who holds us in his hands to yep. begin with. I yep. love that. Um, so then God reminds him again of his promises. Just we see that over and over he's reminding him of his promises. And we see that he says, I will make you in verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Mm-hmm. Um, and just reminding us again of that creation mandate that we that we've seen already so many times in the first chapter. Uh, 17 chapters of Genesis.
0: Hey, okay, we're on 17 now. Yes, we made it through one more.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I was reading something. I was talking about how you can look at um, Abraham in this situation and see him almost as like a new Adam, and that through this covenant, the... Ultimately, through this covenant that God is making with him, the negative effects of of the fall are ultimately being reversed because it leads us to Jesus, who is the one who will Mm -hmm. make all things new. And so this is a good reminder to us that the, the Bible is one story. And like we said, it's God's redemptive story. And this is this is why the Old Testament matters. And I've been thinking about this a lot because when we start with just reading the gospels or just reading the new testament we don't necessarily understand the weight of all that jesus has done we understand what how it affects us right and we understand that now we get to go to heaven and that's kind of Yay. But then we don't really understand the weight of it. We don't necessarily understand what exactly he's saving us from Mm -hmm. and what exactly it cost him and what he was fulfilling by dying on the cross. Because recently the girls were asking me, well, why did he have to die Mm -hmm. in order to forgive us for our sins? And you, you can't really know the answer to that without the old Testament, because we Mm -hmm. see here, these are covenants that God's making. And like we studied last week, there had to be that, you know, um, separation of the animals for them to walk through and Mm -hmm. saying, if you don't fulfill this, it's, it's a blood covenant. Mm -hmm. And, and, will be done to me if this if I don't fulfill this covenant. And Jesus is coming to fulfill that for us. And without studying this, we don't really understand the weight of that. So, hopefully that's encouraging to you that you are you are doing a wonderful thing by listening to this and reading through Genesis because it will just give you such a clearer picture of what the gospel truly is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that same podcast that we've referred to several times. It's Knowing Faith, which we've talked about on here before and we'll link the specific episode. It's actually on 2nd Samuel. Which which is interesting, but yeah. I feel like I was able to glean so much even about Genesis walking through it and they they point out the specific, you know, they would say the whole o- Old Testament super important, but there are specific, I don't remember hot what, spots, hot he spots said. in in the Old Testament that are so important for our understanding of what Jesus has done for mm-hmm. us and and I love that and he actually basically said all of Genesis yeah. 1 through 16 yeah. or 17, I think yep. it was 1 through 17, I'm like, oh great, that's what We've yep. gone through. So this whole thing's a hot spot. So it's that's why it's so important for us to see so we can see the the fullness and the richness of what Jesus came to do for us. Yep. Um, yep. So it's it's so important, even on those days where you're like, oh, this just feels so heavy. Mm-hmm. It is so
0: important. And it's about to get really fun. It
1: is. <laughs> yes. Jonathan was laughing about this earlier. Um. Oh, so John. then God says all males who are eight days old or older should be circumcised um, as a sign of a covenant. So I thought this was interesting. I mean, we're not going to go into just a ton of details because this can get really confusing Mm -hmm. too, because like growing up, I always thought it was just Jews that got circumcised, like just Abraham's like descendants, but, um, you'll, we'll see that Ishmael was circumcised and he was part Egyptian because Hagar was Egyptian. And then, um, the, the, God also said anybody in your household that you bought. So all the servants also were circumcised and they were from all over the place. And so um, there's, there's a lot of interesting commentary out there about these verses and, and what it means for us today. And there's just so much. So we're not going to go into all of that specifically, but I did want to note this about circumcision. Um, when I was in nursing school, this was a big aha moment for me because we were talking about um, circumcision, you know, babies getting circumcised and they said that, and I went to I went to Baylor, which is a Christian school. I know some of you would probably argue with that, but it is technically a Christian <laughs> school and at the nursing school specifically. I mean, we did um, talk about God a lot and so our professor actually pointed this out to us and I thought that's, this was really cool, but that a baby's clotting factor peaks at eight days old. Oh, interesting. So when God said babies need to be circumcised at eight days, or older, he he did that because if they were circumcised earlier than that, mm. they probably would have bled out. Oh my God. Because they weren't able to clot. And so our professor brought this to my attention in nursing school, and that has stuck with me because I mean, yes, I know God's the creator of all, but when you see, especially for someone yeah. with a science brain mm-hmm. like me, when you see those things, it's like, wow, just more evidence. Yeah, but we need evidence, but you know, our human affirmations. Yes, yeah. more affirmations that like of course God would know that he created all things of course he knows that but but just to see that those Mm -hmm. little details Mm -hmm. are just so cool so I love that a lot so anyway God tells Abram to do or Abraham now to do this um and then he goes into um a portion where God changes Sarai's name too. Mm -hmm. So now Abraham's name has been changed and now Sarai's is changed to Sarah. And both of those, um, Sarai and Sarah, Sarah both means princess. Yeah. That bothered me. I'm like, I
0: want it to mean something different. Well,
1: so my commentary said that she came from a noble descendant, but then he changed it saying she will have noble descendants. Okay. She came from this noble family and she will have a noble family. So it means that, means the same word, but it's just enough of a change to to say this is where she's come from and this is where she's going. So okay. once again, kind of the roots and shoots type yeah. of thing like yeah. we've talked about. Um, and God makes it very clear that um, this promised child is going to come through Sarah, even when Abraham laughs at him mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says how is this going to be you know we're really really old <laughs> um and i mean you can't really blame him. like look at their ages <sighs> and abraham's like this is ridiculous like i have i have ishmael like mm-hmm. just just let him be it, god and he just keeps doubting and doubting and god's like nope i'm saying what i'm saying yeah. and um Yeah. And I just think, we just do this all the time, don't we? Like we question God's omnipotence. We question that power. Yeah. Because Abram's like, she is barren. Like she is not having any children. God, don't you know this? Mm -hmm. And God's like, hello, who's in power here? Right. right. I'm all powerful and she will have a child. And, um, then he says, um, he also will make Ishmael fruitful and multiply him, but it is Isaac. God says you will have a child and you will name him Isaac, and it's Isaac that I will establish my covenant with. Um, And so the... um, The chapter kind of closes out with, with Abram or Abraham now, now I've I've gotten used to saying Abram with, um, Abraham being circumcised himself and everyone in his household, eight days older, um, also being circumcised. And, um, I like this because he did it the same day. The Bible Mm -hmm. says he did it that day. Mm -hmm. It was just this immediate obedience. He was 99 years old Uh, and Ishmael was 13. uh, Like that could not have been a fun thing, right? I mean, he could have put it off and been like, let's do it tomorrow or let's <laughs> do it the next day. But it was immediate
0: yeah. obedience. Yeah. And I, I love that. Yeah, that's inspiring. That's good. And um, just to kind of draw some New Testament help, because I think at least for me, when we're reading about this kind of stuff, we're like, oh, man, does that still apply? Is that prescriptive? Is that descriptive? What does that mean for us? And so just a couple passages, if you want to learn, study this a little bit more. We see in Romans 2, 29. Um, it says, 229 says, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit. And so I think that's kind of just something helpful that you might want (laughs) to (laughs) know that that circumcision is now a matter of the heart. And we see um, in Galatians 3, um, 23, through 29 this one's a little bit longer but i'm just gonna it's actually not that long i'm just gonna read the whole thing now before faith came we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed so then when the law was our guardian until christ came in order that we might be justified by faith but now that faith has come we are no longer a guardian for in christ jesus all you are all sons of god through faith for as many of you were baptized Um, into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So that last verse, it just brings it all together, right? We're talking about Abraham in Galatians. If you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise.
1: Yeah. So it's no longer about being circumcised or not being circumcised it's about the heart um which we talk about all the time it's it's faith not works um but yeah it's just it's neat to see um that immediate obedience Mm -hmm. and um kind of I mean you think about it too like it's still even though it was something he had to do and it could Somewhat be considered works. It still was faith, though, right? Because right. he wouldn't be doing all this. I mean, I'm sorry, you don't do that to yourself at 99 <laughs> years old if you're not trusting that the Lord has a plan for right. you. Right? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. Had that's a really good point to do that. Yep. So I think even then it was more than anything a sign of faith. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's good. That's good. I like that.
1: Okay. So moving into chapter 18, we see that the Lord um, appears again with two men. And Abraham sees him from a distance and runs out to meet him and um, is excited to see him. And we see this Picture in this of um, hospitality, mm-hmm. and I like it. And it even refers to it in Hebrews um, thirteen two. It says, "Do not neg- neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares." Which is kind of funny, angels unawares. I read that several times. I was like, it "Has an S at the end?" Uh, huh. <laughs> I've read it several times. I'm like that's really interesting. But okay. anyway, the, it just shows the importance of hospitality and how um, Abraham saw them and immediately ran out to meet them and immediately told Sarah or Sarah at this point told Sarah you know cook them some food and we're gonna wash their feet and we're gonna take them in
0: and um just show them hospitality mm-hmm. it's funny too to think that like one of my notes in my bible said that remember he's a hundred right. and he's running he's running like- <laughs> that's kind of a funny picture so it meant like he was really You know, showing great respect and honor Mm -hmm. because he ran to greet them. Yeah, that's good. So
1: as they were sitting talking, um, they asked where Sarah was which once again is funny to me because it's like you're the Lord you know where Sarah is but mm-hmm. but once again asking where Sarah and she was actually waiting at the door kind of listening in and um, the Lord says that this time next year she will have a son and so Sarah laughs because she's old as we talked about mm-hmm. and she says the, um, the way of women has ceased to be with her <laughs> I thought that <laughs> was thought so that was funny,
0: funny. <laughs> the way of women has ceased to be with her meaning
1: <laughs> that she could not have kids anymore like she was barren to begin with But now she really like cannot have kids. And in verse 14, God says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Just once Mm -hmm. again, that Mm -hmm. reminder that he is all powerful. I mean, we're seeing that over and over and over. And I actually, I was talking to my girls about that this week because um, Cadence, Sweet thing. She's inherited some of my um, anxiety and I just hate that for her. But we were talking through it and she's like, I just can't. I can't get it out of my mind. I can't quit wearing. And I was like, baby, with God's power, like, it's possible. Like you've got to believe. And I've been reminding myself of that. Like so many times I doubt that he's powerful enough to take these hard things away or to take these things off of my mind or to be in control. But, but he is, he's Mm -hmm. all powerful. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a good reminder. And he totally calls Sarah out for laughing and she denies it. So funny. She denies it. She's like, "Uh -uh, I didn't laugh. Isn't that hilarious? I'm like, really? This is God. Like, Like,
0: do you think maybe she didn't know?
1: See, so that's one thing that I've been kind of trying to work through, and I've been reading commentaries and trying to figure out, like, maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't know it was the Lord, and Abraham did, because Abraham calls him my Lord, right. you know, at the beginning of the of the chapter, but maybe she didn't. I don't
0: know, because it's, ev- it I mean, crazy. either way, but... But how <laughs> many
1: times did Abraham question him, too, yeah, that's and true. laugh, that's true. and say, are you serious? So she denies it. He says, yes, you did, like... Of course, you Mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, I think this is this is kind of a weird spot, but I think this is where we're gonna kind of actually end this week. (laughs) Sarah laughing at the Lord (laughs) and him calling her out. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But yeah, so he's he says, No, like you did, and you will have a son this time next year.
0: Which that that was really interesting too. He's he calls her out and she's like, I didn't laugh. And he's like, uh, no, but you did. (laughs) <laughs> Which I love the way that's phrased. No, but you did. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't make her necessarily feel guilty right. or shame mm-hmm. or and I just I don't know, I thought that was really interesting how he handled that. He's like, mm-hmm. Nope, speaking truth mm-hmm. in love.
1: And I thought it was interesting too this morning as I was just re rereading through it again, it said for she was afraid. Like she didn't want to to admit that she had laughed because she was afraid. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just draws out that fear of the Lord that we've talked about mm-hmm. before. I think she realized maybe she didn't know initially when she laughed, but she's realizing now that th- this is the Lord and she's, laughing at him. So a part of me wonders if she realized kind of the disrespect maybe that was coming along with that. And maybe all of a sudden she had kind of this reverent um, fear of the Lord that we've, we've actually referred to on some past episodes that stood out to me this morning as I was reading that. I was like, Oh, maybe she realized like you are God and I am not, and you know what I did. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But like I said, I know this is kind of a weird place to stop, but um, it's going to transition us really
0: well into next week. Yeah. So next week we'll cover the rest of 18, 19, 20, and 21. Yep. Um. And so we'll leave you – today with a little passage. So we've talked about this book before. It's called Theology by Marty Mikowski. Um, it's kind of an introduction to systematic theology at a kid's level, but it is super helpful and really good. So we're going to finish with just a quote from there talking about um, this, exactly what we've been studying. So it says, God chose one of Noah's descendants, Abraham, to be the father of a nation that would belong to God. God called Abraham to leave his home in the city of Ur and take his wife, Sarah, to the land of Canaan. Once they arrived there, God promised the childless couple that from their family would come more children than there are stars in the sky and grains of sand on the seashore. They wouldn't just have a big family. One of their far-off great-grandchildren would bring blessing to all the nations of earth. This child would save the world from sin and death. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.